Hello, we're on <clears throat> the very last line of Chagiga 5b, Hey Amod Beis. Um, we're going to be analyzing a uh, the next part of the Mishnah, the Mishnah from 2a. So the Mishnah had said, Ezehu Katan, who is considered a minor that um, is exempt from coming to the um, to the temple on the festivals. And we had a machlokas, we had a dispute. Um, we had the words of Beis Shammai, the Academy of Shammai, that said, Anybody that's not able to ride on the shoulders of their father from Jerusalem to the actual temple, they're going to be exempt, whereas <clears throat> Beis Hillel, the Academy of Hillel, had said anyone that cannot go up, hold his father's hand and walk up from Jerusalem to the temple, they will be exempt. So we had that um, argument. Obviously, um, Beis Hillel has an older age for when you are obligated to bring your child. Um, and now we're going to talk about this. Maskefla Rabzera. So Rabzera is presenting a question. And now we're on the top of 6a. Vav Ahmad Aleph. Ad Hachaman Asye. When we think about somebody, both opinions are giving are giving the uh, are giving the age um, for this minor who's obligated to go as somebody who has already made it to Jerusalem, and then basically from Jerusalem to the Temple Mount. So the question is, is specifically according to Beishamai, how would this youngster have gotten to Jerusalem in the first place if in fact they're not old enough to sit on their father's uh, shoulders? Right, it's, um, it's obvious that if somebody um, is old enough to have come with his father to Jerusalem without needing his mother to nurse from, then they are certainly old enough to sit on their father's shoulders. So Amar Abaye, so Abaye answered Rabzera, Ad Hacha. So the answer is as follows. Um, <clears throat> the answer is, is that up until Jerusalem, the mother came with the son, Demechaiva Ime Besimcha, because the mother has to be with her family on the holiday because she is obligated to rejoice. And the rejoicing, what it says is, it's It says, you shall rejoice with your family, with your household. So if the husband is going to be needing to go up to the temple for the festival, then the wife must accompany him because you have to be there because, because in order to fulfill the obligation of rejoicing. So the, idea, the answer is, is that even the youngest children will come, even babies will come because their mothers have to come to Jerusalem, not all the way to the temple, um, uh, not all the way to the temple mount. So I ime, so his mother will bring him, mikan ve'elach, and then from Jerusalem to the temple mount, im then the point is, im shalaviv if they can go up and hold their father's hand and walk up from Jerusalem to the temple mount, chayev, then the father's obligated to take him. And if not, if he cannot walk with his father, even while holding hands, Pater, then the father is exempt from taking him. He does no longer, he does not need to take him. Okay. 
So now we're going to ask a question on the opinion of Beis Shammai. So that's how the this child, so so the point of this past little Gemara was, Reb Zera was pointing out that if the child's already in Jerusalem without his mother, then obviously he's old enough to go up to the Temple Mount with, um, you know, with, with, with assistance, um, because it means he's weaned already. To which we answer, no, is that the mother came with him to Jerusalem for fest- in order to fulfill her obligation of rejoicing, and then the question became, what is this child capable of as far as Jerusalem to the Temple Mount is concerned? Okay. Heshiv Rebbe Tachas Beis Hillel Adivrei Beis Rebbe asked a question on Beis Shammai, on the Academy of Shammai, um, on behalf of Beis Hillel. The verse says about Chana and her son Shmuel. The Chana lo alasa. Chana did not go up to the tabernacle. Ki amra isha because she told her husband adi kamel hanaar vahaviosiv that when the child is weaned, then I will take him up. So this is a long story about Chana and her son Shmuel. Shmuel ends up becoming a prophet. Chana promises that if she has this child, then she will dedicate him to God. And um, the first years that, that he was born, she did not bring her child up with her. They, they did not go to Jerusalem on the festivals. They did not go together with her husband on the festivals. Now the question is, But wait a minute. Wasn't Shmuel old enough to ride on his father's shoulders and go from Jerusalem to the temple? So according to you, Beishamai, shouldn't Shmuel have been brought up to the temple? And how could Chana have kept him back? Amr Avua, so Rebbe's father, Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi's father, answered as follows for Beishamai. Ula ta'amech, and according to your reasoning, tikshila Chana gufa, we should ask on Chana herself. Forget asking about Shmuel. <laughs> That shouldn't his father have been obligated to bring him up, even Chana herself, Milo Machaiva Basimcha, shouldn't she have been obligated to go with her husband to Jerusalem because she's obligated in the celebration and the rejoicing? Ella, rather we have to say, Chana Minfan Kusa Yesersa Chazia Chana saw that Shmuel was extra delicate, was very delicate, and wouldn't be able to handle this. She was worried about Shmuel that he would get weak from the from the path, from the road, from the journey. And that's why she didn't bring him. That's why he wasn't brought by her father, and that's why she stayed home as well. But this is definitely not a contradiction to Beishamai's opinion that in general, um, a father is obligated to bring their child up once the child is... Um, is old enough to ride on the father's shoulders. Okay. Now we have a very interesting question to discuss. Again, it's still on the same topic, but a very interesting question. Ba'i Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon asked, Katan Chiger, Ledivre Beishamai, if you have a minor who also is lame, so can't really use his legs, according to Beishamai, Visuma Ledivre Shnehem, or you have a blind person, a blind minor, according to both of them. Mahu, what is the halacha? What is the law? Does the father have to bring that child up to the temple? Because a some a child that is lame, a chiger, so when if he were to stay lame, 
when he gets older, he would be exempt from going up. Obviously, according to Beis Hillel, he wouldn't have to go up anyways because because he can't make that walk. And in order to be able to be in order for a father to be obligated to bring their minor child, the minor child has to be able to walk from Jerusalem to the temple. But according to Beis Shammai, at least, if if a child is in a situation where if he stayed in that situation, he would not be obligated as an adult when he becomes 13, then does the father have an obligation to bring him up as far as chinuch, as far as educating the child is concerned before that? And then, of course, the case of the blind person, according to both um, Beishamai and Beisilo, a blind person is exempt from a scent of going up to the temple on the festival. So a minor that is blind... Um, because if he stayed in that type of situation, by when he became an adult, he would be exempt. Um, is the father obligated to bring him now? So we ask as follows: Hey, what exactly is the case? If you're going to tell me that we're talking about a lame person that will not be able to be healed, visuma and a blind person that will not be able to. Um, be able to see as he gets older, um, then we would uh, have an obvious answer. We would say that if a if if that type of situation as a as someone that's an adult is exempt, then of course as a minor you're going to be exempt. You don't have to be trained. You don't have to be educated about a mitzvah that you'll never be obligated in. So lo tzricha no. Obviously, the question was necessary. We're obviously talking about a lame person, that a lame minor that could one day walk. And a blind person that one day couldn't, is possible they'll be able to see. My, what then is the halacha? If he's currently disabled, but he could be healed, do we say that he's obligate, the father's obligated to bring him or not? So we answer as follows. Amar Abaye. Abaye says... In any scenario where a if this person had been an adult in this situation, he would have been obligated biblically to perform a mitzvah. Kata nami then a minor then we have an obligation, a rabbinic obligation, to educate him in that mitzvah um, from a rabbinic uh, as a rabbinic law. But any time where the situation would have meant that the that this person, if he had been an adult, would be exempt biblically, then rabbinically, the minor is going to be exempt from being educated in that mitzvah. So in our case, even if he could heal one day, um, currently you, the father will be exempt from educating him because had he been an adult, being lame or blind, he would have been biblically exempt from the mitzvah, from the obligation. Okay. Now we're going to go further and we're going to analyze the next part of the Mishnah. Uh, the next part of the Mishnah was talking about how much, what is the value of the two spe- special sacrifices we have been talking about? The olas re'iyah, the, the, the burnt offering um, that you bring upon appearing in the temple on the festivals, and the shalmei chagiga, which was the shlamim, the peace offering that you brought for the festival, how, what's the minimum value they have to be? And we had said, Beishamai omrim Beishamai says that the burnt offering of the re'iyah, of the appearing, has to be two, um, two uh, silver ma'os, 
and we said that the and he, and he had said or Beishamai had said that the Shalmei Chagiga has to be at least one silver ma'a. And Basil said the Olas Re'ia has to be at least one silver ma'a, and the Shalmei Chagiga has to be two. So they have exactly opposite opinions. So Tonara on the rabbis taught. Beishamai Omer, Beishamai says, Hari'ia shtei chasef, fahachagiga ma'achasef. The Ola, the Re'ia offering has to be two silver coins, and the Chagiga has to be one. Um, so why is it that the Re'ia has to be worth, his value has to be more? Shehari'ia Ola kula legavoa, because the Re'ia, it is completely offered to God, meaning it's burnt entirely on the altar. Masha'in came by Chagiga, which is not the case with the Chagiga, um, which is um, not burnt entirely to God. Rather, um, it's eaten by human beings. A lot of it is eaten by human beings. So something that's given to God should be worth more than something that's split between God and the human beings. The Od Matsinu and a second reason why the Ri'ia is going to be more is because we find on the holiday of Shavuos, Shariba Bahan Hakasuv Ba'olos Yoser Mevishlamim. We see that on Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuos, the special offerings, there were many more olas, burnt offerings, than shlamim offerings. So we see that olas are considered more significant. An ola offering, a burnt offering, is considered more significant. Therefore, it should be worth more than the shlamim. And now we're going to talk about Beisil. Where does Beisil come from? Beisil, Omer Beisil had said, He said that the um, the Ola, the Re'ia, is one silver coin, and the Shlamim of the Chagiga is going to be two. So exactly the opposite. Why? Because we see that we were bringing Shlamim, uh, specifically the Shlamim of the Chagiga, the festival Shlamim, um, before... Lifnei Hadibor is before the word, but it's a reference to before God communicated with human with the human beings at Mount Sinai. Masha'in came whereas the burnt offering of the Re'ia of the holiday, that was not brought bef- right before Mount Sinai. Va'od, and furthermore, Matsinu Benesiyan, we find with respect to the offerings brought by the princes of each tribe, Shariba Bahen HaKasuv, Bishlamim Yosermi Ba'olos, that the Torah commanded us to bring more shlamim, or we brought more shlamim than we did olas. We brought more peace offerings than we did burnt offerings. So we see that peace offerings are more significant. Therefore, they should be worth more. Their value is the the requirement is that their value be more. Now we're going to cross analyze. Now Beishelo. Why doesn't he say like Beishamai? How is he going to respond to Beishamai's points? <coughs> so let's go through them. Dika Amrit, Ri'ia, Adifa, Daola, Kula, Legavoa. So he would say that which you said, that the Ola, the burnt offering, is better, is more significant because it's completely offered to God. Adraba, on the contrary, Chagiga Adifa, the peace offering of the festival is going to be more significant, because it's actually eaten by two different parties. It's eaten by humankind and also eaten by God, um, you know, consumed on the altar. Um, and because it's two different parties, um, it's going to be considered um, more significant. 
Um, and that which you said we shall learn from Shavuos, where we see that there were more olas commanded than shlamims, more burnt offerings than, than peace offerings. Donin karbin yachid mi karban yachid. That's not a good proof because we try we learn from private offerings to private offerings or individual offerings to individual offerings. Um, we don't learn about um, individual offerings from communal offerings. And the offerings of Shavuot that you mentioned, those are communal offerings. Those are brought as one offering on behalf of the entire community. Here we're talking about individual offerings, the ones that each person has to bring when they come out for the festival. So don't bring any proofs from communal offerings to private offerings. You have to learn from private offerings to private offerings. Hence, we take a look at the princes, which were private offerings, and we see that in each of those scenarios, in those scenarios, the shlomim was more significant because they brought more shlomims, they brought more peace offerings than burnt offerings. Okay? Now we're going to cross-analyze the other way. Ubeishamai, my time alo omri kevesilo. Now, Beishamai, why didn't they say like Beishilo? How are they going to respond to Beishilo's points? So Dika Amrit Chagiga Adifa the Yeshnalifne Hadibur. So that which you said that obviously the Shlum and the peace offering is more significant because it was brought right before Mount Sinai. Rianami Yeshnalifne Hadibur. Beishamai will tell you that the burnt offering was also brought right before Mount Sinai. Udika which we'll talk about more. A little very soon. And that which you said we should learn from the princes, the princes' offerings, where they brought more shlumim, uh, peace offerings, and they brought burnt offerings. We learn about something that is applicable for all generations to something that's applicable to all gen from something that's applicable to all generations. We don't um and we'll just uh finish that off. And we don't learn about something that is applicable to all generations from something that is not applicable to all generations. In other words, as follows. Um the the offerings we bring um, on the festivals, as long as there's a temple, we are obligated to bring them. So it's applicable for all generations. The offering of the princes, that was a one-time offering, not something that we keep offering. So do not learn from the case of the princes to this case, the the festival offerings, because they're completely two different categories and they don't, they're not they're not learnable one to the other. Okay. Now we're going to go back and talk about this idea about the sacrifices that were offered right before the Mount Sinai experience. U Beis Hillel. Now Beis Hillel, um, why did you say that the Chagiga, that the Shlomim, the peace offering for the festival, that that was given right before, that was brought right before Mount Sinai? Because the verse says, because the verse clearly says that they sacrificed shlamim, peace offerings. But wait a minute. Take a look and you'll find that the burnt offering um, was also brought right before the Mount Sinai experience. Doesn't the verse say, they brought burnt offerings? So while if that's the case, then how could Beis Hillel say that the peace offerings are more significant because they were brought right before the Mount Sinai experience? <clears throat> this this seemed to have been um, 
it seems to be that they also brought the burnt offerings right before the Mount Sinai experience. So Kasavri Basilo, so Basilo holds, understands Ola Shehikrivu Yisrael Bamidbar, that the Ola, the burnt offering that the Jewish people brought in the desert right before Mount Sinai, Olas Tamid Havai. That was the Olas Tamid, that was the burnt offering of the Tamid, the one that's brought twice daily. Not the uh, not the not the Ola of the festival. Not the burnt offering of the festival. Ube Shamay sovereign, whereas Beshamay will hold Ola Shehikrivu Yisrael Bamidbar, that the Ola that the Jewish people brought up in the desert, Olas Havai, was actually the burnt offering of the Re'iyah of the appearing the festival, the appearing in the temple and the festival. So um, that's what the Ola was. That's what the burnt offering was, and that's the basis of their dispute. Um, we'll start this off and then we'll finish this next time. Amar Abaye, we're going to continue talking about this idea of what was the Ola, what was the burnt offering that was offered in the desert. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, Beishamai, Virebelazar, Virebi Yishmael. So you have Beishamai, Rebelazar, and Rebbe Yishmael. They kuluhu seviruhu, they all hold. Ola shehikrivu Yisrael bamidbar, that the burnt offering that the Jews brought in the desert Olas Ri'ia Havai was an Olas Ri'ia, was a burnt offering of the festival. Uves Hillel, the Rebbe Akiva, the Rebbe Yossi Haglili, whereas Beis Hillel and Rebbe Akiva and Rebbe Yossi Haglili, Kuluhu Svir Luhu, they all hold. Ola Shehikrivu Yisrael Bamidbar, that the burnt offering that they brought in the desert, Olas Tamid Havai, was actually the uh, daily Ola, the, the daily Ola, not the Ola, not the burnt offering of the festival. And we'll talk more about this. Um, we're going to analyze each of these opinions um, next time we learn together. Have a great day.